As a business manager myself, the reality is there's not a lot of downtime. It requires resilience and the ability to be nimble just to get the work done. But even when things slow down, the last thing I want to do is settle down at a desk and tackle my finances. Zero is a global cloud-based accounting software platform that gives businesses the tools to take care of the numbers so they can spend less time on accounting and more on what they love to do. And the beauty is that with Zero, you can do it from anywhere in the world that has an internet connection. For the entrepreneur on the go, you'll never be stuck behind a desk again. Zero provides access to real-time data all in one place online wherever you need it, so you can see what's coming in and going out. Its intuitive and user-friendly features can help businesses get paid faster, reduce data entry, and give you time back in your day to spend it on what matters. You are the mechanic of your business's success. Zero makes your life easier as a business. Check out the link in our episode description to learn more about Zero. Every successful drag queen has something super unique about them. And the hard part is, is that like you can't really like go to the store and pick it out. Right. Like you're just kind of born with it. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? Okay, we have a very special episode in store for you today. Our guest is incredibly talented, a marketing genius, operates at a baseline of 110 when it comes to her energy level, and is the reigning queen of Canada's drag race. That's right, we've got Priyanka on the podcast today, who is also on the cover of our fifth annual Bay Street Bowl 30 by 30 issue, which celebrates incredible young Canadians who are defining and redefining the culture of work. I've included a link in our episode description if you'd like to check it out. Now, it can objectively be stated that drag queens are masters of marketing and are some of the most impressive entrepreneurs out there. In addition to RuPaul's core tenets of a winning queen, that is charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent, they also possess all of the traits that we often associate with entrepreneurship, like resilience, agility, and resourcefulness. Today's top drag queens are not only the ultimate entertainers, but also powerful brands that companies are more than eager to work with. There's a lot that we can learn from drag queens as business owners and stewards of our own brands. Of course, the art of drag existed long before it became popular thanks to RuPaul's Drag Race. But like many things, drag queens have had to adapt with the landscape, which has meant an evolution of skills that include not only being able to lip sync in epic and dramatic fashion, but also being able to master digital tools that help them produce music videos and original songs that ultimately build up their brands and business. On today's episode, I sat down with Priyanka on the set of our cover shoot to discuss her journey, the mainstreaming of drag culture, and the most important lessons in business we can learn from today's top drag queens. 
Priyanka, I am so excited to be chatting with you today. Finally, we're on set for our cover shoot. Oh, yeah. And super excited. How are you feeling today? I feel good. Um, right now, I'm wearing a corset and it's pulling me in so I could feel all my Chipotle going up and down. Um, but otherwise, I feel great. It's an honor to be on a magazine cover. Yes. You know, magazine covers is what makes you a real star. I want to talk about a few things today throughout our interview. Obviously, I want to talk about the business of drag. Uh I want to talk about community building, about the fandom. But why don't we start off by rewinding a little bit and just starting from the beginning. So how long have you been doing drag for now? What day of the week is it? (laughs) I've been doing drag since 2017, 18, 17, 17, somewhere. (gasps) Maybe it's 18. No, 2017, 17, four years, four years of drag. (laughs) But it was one of those things that I, I like, I, I didn't know I wanted to do it. I had a drag queen perform at my birthday party. And then she was like, you should start drag. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then at that same birthday party, all my friends and I, you know, were having a good time, having a couple of drinks, as you do. And I was like, who thinks I should do drag? And everyone's like, yeah, woo. And I was like, oh, I'll be so supported in this. So I started drag thinking all my friends would come to all my shows. They didn't. And um, <laughs> then I, I, I kept like, you know, hustling and hustling and hustling and then like, now look. Now look at me. So in your personal experience, when do you think you really realized that drag culture had really evolved from being a subculture to becoming mainstream in your personal experience? I mean, I think because of, no, I don't think, I know because of RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, being on like Netflix and Crave and and, and then VH1 and all, all these mainstream networks, like the average Joe out, out in, you know, Ajax, Ontario was like now seeing Drag Race. There was a time where I, I would go to the bar and there was only like gay guys there say and then like once drag race started then it was like suburban moms and bachelorette parties and and although that was annoying because we were all like don't come into our spaces what it was actually saying was that drag is becoming more mainstream than we think it is Mm. and i think it's because of rupaul's drag race i I would say i mean and i guess the accessibility for people to access it through convenience and through you know their digital Access points, I guess, that makes a a big, big difference. Oh my God, totally, because everyone just wants to watch it from their phone. It's all over YouTube. So you won the very first season of Canada's Drake. Oh yeah. Congrats again. Thank you. Um, Now that we're about six months, give or take, from when the finale aired, how has the experience been like for you? What have you noticed has been a big difference pre and post winning the season. Before I was on Drag Race, I did have a very like business mind. I had my taglines. I already had merch. I had all these things. And I think that after Drag Race, it made it a lot easier to approach big businesses to be like, yo, I have this idea. And they're like, oh, you're Priyanka from Drag Race. Like, let's do something together. So it opened up a lot of opportunity in like the mainstream world with like brands and sponsors and stuff and plus everyone thinks i'm hot now so thank god because <laughs> before i wasn't picking up nobody at the bar so <laughs> i mean so when you're talking to these big businesses how do you navigate that conversation was it any different afterwards or did you get any advice from any other queens um, or the people in the industry in terms of how you know to cultivate your business further i think the scariest thing about approaching a business as the like the performer you know, they, they want to see like what you can do to make their brand bigger. So for example, like how many followers do you have? Like what's your image? Because I'm a, a POC, 
that's, you know, also queer and as one Canada's drag race, like to a big brand, that is an appeal because it's a way of showing inclusivity and equality within a company. So the hard part being the person bringing the ideas is having to see yourself as the product because anybody can have an idea that they're passionate about, but you have to be able to see yourself of like, how am I going to sell to people? Versus anyone can make a great music video, a great movie, you know, sell a great product. But it's like, who is the person behind it is what brands care about right now, which is difficult, but also kind of fun, too, because it it, it really flips your brain into thinking, like, how can I sell, sell to more people? Would you say that being on Canada's Drag Race, being on a show like that has almost been a training ground for you to really cultivate that sense of business awareness in terms of building up your brand, understanding your identity as a brand as well? Mm, no, I think it was like, <laughs> ah, try again. Uh, no, I think that it was um, being on YTV, mm-hmm. like before I started drag and like going through this kids TV experience and um, being hired for like sales things and, and understanding like why different people get cast in different roles. Like, for example, at YTV, there was like a cast of four of us. And like sometimes they had book like somebody for a skateboarding shoot, but wouldn't book me for it. I wonder why. <laughs> and um, sometimes they would book me for like, you know, to dress up in like a bee costume and dance around, which is like more my personality and stuff like that. So it really, really like implemented like what branding and how important it is for you to have like an individuality to be able to appeal to a lot of people. There was one time where I was at the mall with one of my co-hosts, Victor, and he's like this like, you know, kind of like a surfer guy, like long hair, like super chilled out. And then, then there's me who's like this long, tall and skinny string bean. This little kid came up to Victor and was like, oh my God, Victor, like just couldn't believe it was him. Right. And then I was like, oh, hey, Suki, because that was my, my name on YTV. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like it all makes sense that like this individuality and this uniqueness that I have can be kind of turned into like a brand to appeal to a specific kind of person. Right, right. Like, you know, like the selflessness and the fearlessness that I have is very important. So it was like there that when I started drag, that's where I was like, I need a tagline. I want to name myself Priyanka because I want like other brown people to come to the bar and know that, you know, they say, well, welcome to the stage Priyanka. Like, oh, there's a brown girl here too, you know. So yeah, I, I kind of always kept in mind like a brand and a marketing mm. strategy in, in my drag, which then, you know, the first thing I said when I came into Canada's Drag Race was, was what's my name? And that's my tagline. So it, it starts before you get the platform. You need to like build it and brew it and test it out before you go to the big leagues like Drag Race. Well, and you established that right out of the gate as soon as you like went through the doors and you were the first one through the doors. Yeah. And, and you set the when, stage. Even when they crowned me too, like Brooklyn yeah. was like, what's her name? Yeah. Like that's wild for like my tagline to also be the way that I was crowned too. Right, right. Now, what yeah. character traits do you think drag queens embody that are Sorry. similar to entrepreneurs i mean would you drag queens are really entrepreneurs oh yeah themselves. i mean like from the get like if you look at the past of drag like they do it themselves like there, there's something cool about like entrepreneurship of like, it's all diy it's doing it yourself mm-hmm. it's making sure that you know your passion your business gets lifts off lifts off yeah. takes off and i think drag queens are the exact same way and and now with a show like drag race we're able to take our selves and turn ourselves into the business like for example for me with being on drag race like each week you have like a a look 
on the runway and you make sure that, that those photos go out every single week. And then you have merch that people buy. And then you have something you might say that goes viral online. And then you're like, okay, that has to be turned into merch too. And then you want to create music with, with your taglines in it. And then you get, you know, so it's, it's like you, you truly become like your own business. Like you are selling yourself to people who just love you. So it's, I think it's the best. It's the I mean, best way. For people of our audience that may not be familiar with drag culture, what are some of the business opportunities that drag queens are utilizing to really build a platform and foundation on outside of performing at bars now? I mean, like you said, you can put out an album, you can mm-hmm. go on tour, you can sell merch. What are the opportunities now? I mean, like say you weren't even on Drag Race, like say that you're just a local queen that's used to performing at the bars. There's so many business opportunities within the drag community. People are styling wigs for other drag queens. Mm-hmm. People are creating merch for other drag queens. People are doing nails for other drag queens. Like mm-hmm. everyone, especially with online businesses now, like yeah. everyone's doing it. Like if you throw me a 20, I'll make you some nails, you know? And it's like, it's really, 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 really wild. It's cool. Right. Because um, everyone can get paid for doing something that they love, which is like the best part about drag. Now, many would say that drag queens are really the ultimate masters in branding and personal branding. What would you say are the ingredients to the recipe that would result in a fantastic, exceptional, superstar personal brand? You're looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) I would say like... Sonified. It's being unapologetically yourself is the first thing because you are the brand. So you have to be able to like be settled in your skin and completely own who you are for people to also buy into it too. For example, like one of my taglines is like, just be gay. But if, you know, someone's sensing that I'm not as confident, then I'm not selling that tagline to people. So being able to sell what you're trying to get people to buy is very important. And also just every successful drag queen has something super unique about them. And the hard part is, is that like, you can't really like go to the store and pick it out. Right. Like you're just kind of born with it. There's like Alyssa Edwards that you could just watch her talk for hours. Yes. And and like, how do you tell someone to do that? You don't. Like it's just who she is. You have Vanjie, same idea. You could like listen to her talk for hours. You have like Brooklyn Heights, like watching her perform is like the most incredible thing ever. Like she trained in ballet her entire life. It's like she has that individuality. So I think that like for any successful drag queen that wants to be a big, big business. They have to know what their thing is and what their niche is and like drive it into the ground. You know, when we do a lot of our interviews and we're talking to people who have created brands, one of the common themes that has really come up is making sure that you have a point of view and something to say. It's, yeah. You can't just put something out without having a perspective. That Would that apply in oh, this case as totally. well? Oh, totally. Like, I, I mean, my, a lot of my success from drag race came from me being able to just unapologetically open up about my past, you know, talking Mm. about not being out to my dad and saying how, oh, but it's fine because he thinks I'm dating a girl named Priyanka or, you know, being on stage when they asked me why I should win. And I was like, you know, I want people to feel like they're escaping while they watch me perform. Like, that's my point of view. Mm. And I know that. I always say that it's if you want to do drag for attention, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. And just going for it and not taking no for an answer. You know, I had a teacher. I, used to, I went to Catholic school. Okay. Even though I'm not Catholic at all. I don't know why I was there. <laughs> Raising hell. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, uh, they had like guidance counselors. You know, and you go in there. Oh, what, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I want to go on TV. And he was like, don't go on TV. You'll never get a job. And look at you now. 
well, I would say let's burn his house down. <laughs> or that. You know. Yeah, I think that's that's a better option, really. I know what I want and you have to go and get it. Now, as a drag queen that is, you know, building and building on her foundation and working with a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses are reaching out, brands are reaching out. Yeah. They want to be a part of that Priyanka experience. How do you decide which are the right brands to work with? How do you decide what's the right collaboration? Or do you try to say yes to as many things or are you very particular about who you decide to work with? There was a time where I was saying yes to everything. And then I was like, okay, maybe I need to be a little bit more picky just in case. Because there's a weird thing about like doing things with too many brands and looking like a sellout versus doing things with brands and people being like, wow, like that truly is elevating your brand as Priyanka. Right. And I think the brands that I've worked with so far have been brands that have elevated. Like every time I post something like that's a sponsored ad, everyone's like, we're just so proud of you. But as a artist, it is hard to make some money. So I say, why not? Of course. So Dre can be a very volatile industry, also very, very competitive and, and increasingly more competitive. Yeah. What lessons can we learn from Dre Queens as entrepreneurs and, and as business people about carving out a competitive edge about making sure that we're making an impact and making sure that we're being noticed. You know, the reason why the What's My Name tagline started is because I was being constantly compared to Tainomi Banks and Safonda Cox and, and all these people because, like, when you come up into someone else's space and you're performing, you know, these songs, people tend to look at you like somebody else or, or they want or their brains can't see you as something else. But I remember having a discussion with my drag mom, Ecstasy Love, and I was like, yeah, it's just kind of annoying. Like, I, I get it, but I, I guess it's a good thing because they're great performers. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like tell everybody what my name is because I want to carve out my own lane for myself. And I think that's where we all get lost is trying to we often compare ourselves to others, but I say like, if you're going to compare yourself to somebody or you're jealous of them, like use that as inspiration to like get in your own lane right? and like do your own thing. And that's what I did. And it worked for me because like if, if you're unbothered by the competition, cause there's going to be competition everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. then you can be successful. So you chart your own course. Yeah. Now, how important is it? Cause we're talking about uh, the different types of business ways that drag queens can build their business. Mm -hmm. How important is it to diversify your business opportunities as a, as a drag queen uh, in today's landscape? I mean, I think a lot of us realized how important like online drag is. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, like as an artist and as a drag entertainer, the people who are going through the rough times during COVID-19 need to be entertained. So it's up to mm. us to like, you know, fire up that tripod, get in that living room and turn the party on a live stream. Yeah. And, you know, it, it isn't the same. And there was a sadness as a performer to be like, oh, it's not the same. I want to be in the audience and, you know, take a tip with my mouth. Could you imagine we used to do that? <laughs> oh my God. The money and your mouth. Oh, the money in your yeah, mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that it's just important to be like, you know, good at everything, like video editing and 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 online and building that brand online because like that's what everything's kind of turning into. Like content is king, they say. Yeah. I say it's the queen. Yeah. But I think that it's it's 
it's just important to like dip your toes in everything. It used to be like you have to be good at like knowing how to do your own wigs, knowing how to make your own costumes. But now it's like you have to be good at shooting your own music videos, mm. knowing how to edit, knowing how to use Twitch, knowing how to live stream on Instagram, knowing how to set up Zoom calls. So now it's like completely transformed into becoming more digital. Yeah. Because if you are more digital, then you'll appeal to more people and then become more successful and be able to build your brand, which will then make for a better business. Yeah. I mean, the skill set, that makes total sense that the skill set has evolved. Um, how do you keep up with all of I that? I mean, I'm so thankful that I trained in TV. Yeah, true. Like I edited all my own stuff out, you know, on my YouTube channel when I was before a drag queen and I know how to use Final Cut and Adobe Premiere and Adobe Audition mm-hmm. and all these programs because I trained in them. Yeah. And then as a drag queen, it, it, it transferred over lightly, lightly. Like I'd make my own mixes on stage and, and, and all that stuff. But now it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm like, wow, these these queens really have to adapt mm-hmm. to like knowing how to do things or it creates jobs for editors too, sure. right? Throw, throw me a hundred bucks and I'll edit a video for, for you. Like, it, yep. it can go that route as well. I guess it also goes to the roots of drag culture and being resourceful and being yeah. able to pivot and be able to and adapt. Yeah, exactly. Like, think about it this way. If you did drag in like the 80s and now you're doing drag, like you imagine how many new songs you've learned and how many like new music styles you've had to adapt to. Like right. you're performing <laughs> with Whitney and now you're performing Dua Lipa. Yeah. Like you yeah. have to adapt to it. And I think it's it's taken all of us for a little bit bit of a loop having to like now be very computer savvy. But a lot of queens have thrived on it. And then you've seen some fallen as well. Speaking of digital, so Jasmine Masters, another Love popular her. drag queen, the diva, said, quote, once you're on social media, you are a reality celebrity. Mm-hmm. You are a brand from that point. So you have to treat yourself as a market, as a business. I mean, this may be a bit of a redundant question, but how important is social media and what is the difference between a queen that is able to master the art of social media and one that's maybe just, you know, doing it and coasting through it. I mean, when you see a queen in live performance, they're done up, the wig is on, the lashes are on, they're performing a song, it's top to bottom perfection. And when you see a queen online, there's this vulnerability that, you know, is the reason why people love RuPaul's Drag Race, because they see the vulnerable side of the queen, they fall in love with the queen. So I think it's important for entertainers to use social media as the behind the scenes to the drag because that's what will like lock your audience in. I used to sure. do um, videos of me walking to the bar all the time. Right. Hey right. guys, it's me free. Just walking to Cruise and Tango tonight at 8.30 PM. Like see you there. <laughs> I hope you meet a cute boy. And like that became a main thing that, you know, people would, would watch during their pre-drinks before coming to see me at the bar. Right. So it, it's about finding a way to like line it all up. It's like a second screen experience. Right. It's uh, everyone's tuning into the uh, Priyanka yeah, TV. Exactly. And the reality TV thing is, is a very important thing too, is because like if, if you thrive for perfection, people tend to get turned off. Yeah. They want to see you like a little rough around the edges so that they can relate to you. Yeah. So that you're human. Yeah. You have these layers and everything. Exactly. You know, speaking of community, what is it about drag and drag culture that you think is really resonating with people at this moment in time? Um, And not just LGBTQ plus individuals, uh, but beyond that, would you still consider it a niche audience or? No. Yeah. Not anymore. Like I get recognized everywhere now by like, all different shapes and sizes and sexualities. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm actually like blown away with how big it is now. Cause before it was like, just like a small thing, yeah. like where I had to like explain to my mom what drag was when I first started to now 
recently I had a family member pass away. Oh, but sorry. at the funeral, it was like all my family, like old uncles and aunties being like, we watched you on Canada's Drag Race. So proud of you. I was like, what is this world I'm living in? Right, right. You know, from hiding, liking Barbies and, you know, performing Pussycat Dolls in your bedroom <laughs> to them watching you cartwheel and split to Celine Dion on global television. Yeah. Is crazy. I forget your question. I just want to talk about myself. So. <laughs> I think that um, people respect the hard work that goes into it. Like already transforming from out of drag to in drag is like a wow factor for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's the we're all pop stars and people love pop stars, but we're like approachable pop stars where they can fall in love with us very easily because we don't just put out one album every four years. It's like, we're just always constantly turning out content. Yeah. So people get to have a party with us all the time. I also feel like, especially now there is such a joy and optimism around drag queens and drag culture. Obviously the roots of it are subculture anti-establishment in a kind yeah. of a way, but you know, today there I, people need a little bit of that optimism and joy. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So, I think it's like, a, it's an escape and that's why, you know, when fantasy. I see, yeah, I feel your fantasy. <laughs> I think it's cool because it's like, it creates that, like, it's such an illusion that it makes people also feel the illusion. So you're all kind of like living in an alternate universe together. Yeah. Because yeah. who likes their real life? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> who would you say is your audience? Who is the Priyanka Stan? And is there a commonality between your fans? Yeah, like I have like, 14 year old girls who will like drive all over Canada to see me. Yeah. Or I have like 45 year old moms that want me to sleep with their husbands. <laughs> I mean, that's diversifying sure. your, your business you right know? there. And I think it, it, it's kind of like, basically I appeal to the people that buy stuff, I guess. Like when you think about it, it's like parents are buying their kids mm. like things. Like when we used to sell out YTV, it used to be like, they air all those commercials because then the kids are going to beg their parents to buy them the product. And buy the product yeah. Right? So I think that like we are now the product that kids are buying it into because it's sparkle and it's shine and it's exciting and it's fun. And parents are now are falling in love with us too, because they're also seeing the adult behind what their yeah. kid is seeing too. Cause they yeah. get it. So how would you say that your experience is different or similar when you're engaging with your younger fan base versus People that are adults, I guess. It honestly is the same. Yeah, it's cool that I get to be the same chaotic, gross, fun, (laughs) yet humble. (laughs) And nice. Yeah. And cute and sexy. All the things. Uh, To everybody, because I'm just being myself. And I think that like people on the outside are like, wow, it takes a certain kind of person and a very confident person to stand there in a wig, in a corset, in heels, in padding, in tights and all that stuff. There's something about someone completely owning themselves that people want to do that for themselves. And that's why people are so drawn to drag. Now, the fan base, the fandom in in Drag Race is well known to be very, very passionate. Oh, yeah. Um, What has your experience been like just engaging with fans? During the show, because like, you know, coming out to my dad is is out there, like a lot of people sent me a lot of messages Mm -hmm. just saying like, you know, that made me come out to my dad or that made me feel more comfortable to own myself more like people are very 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 thankful for sharing that story because 
it just gives you the other, it gives you the push. Like even like looking back and watching that episode of me in the workroom, getting ready to be on the runway of Canada's Drag Race, talking about how my dad doesn't know I'm gay. Like, what the hell is that mm-hmm. about? Like, how does your dad don't know you're gay when you're like missing shooting the show? <laughs> you quit your job at YTV to do like, yeah. how are you like living such a double life? I think that because people saw me open up about those stories, those personal stories, they send me so many letters being like, oh my God, I came out to my dad or oh my God, I came out to my mom or oh my God, you made me feel more confident to be more myself. It's really, really, really cool. And I read them and I listen to all of them because like, I can't believe that I did that for somebody. That's amazing. Well, and I think, you know, there's the LGBTQ plus experience, but then there's also the LGBTQ plus experience for people of color, which Mm -hmm. there's another layer to that. That's Oh yeah. It's like the worst layer because white people are mean to people of color. It's just the way it goes. It's what I've seen in the bars. I got to be performing on stage and I would see the way people of color would be treated. You have this beautiful POC going up to like, you know, this white guy. And then the white guy's like, sorry, not into black guys. I'm like, oh my God, that's racism. Mm-hmm. You see it. It's wild. And it's it's really hard to be a, be a part of that. It was nerve wracking going to the bars. It sucked being like looked at and, and people feeling like you're un- unattractive. It's it's awful. And that's why I was so excited to be on Canada's Drag Race because people were like, oh, Priyanka's cute. And I was like, yes, because POCs can be cute too. So it's yeah. really, really, really cool. And I'm happy that I was able to like open up that avenue for POCs to feel more confident about their skin color. And 2020 was a big year for Greg Race winners in terms of POC. Yeah. Well. Exactly. You just did a shoot with mm. um, Shea Coulee and um, Jada. Jada. Essence, Essence yeah. Hall. Yeah. That was also wild. I'm Amazing. a big fan of both of them. And yeah. When I walked into that room for that photo shoot, I was like, oh my God. It's happening. It's happening. And it just <laughs> looks so pretty. And they're like, their makeup is so perfect. And I was like, I, it. I still can't believe it. it's wild. As passionate as the fan base is, there's also a lot that's been said in terms of the toxicity that can also exist in the fandom in general. Yeah. How do you navigate the, the mental health aspect of that? And I guess just navigating social media in general. I mean, I just don't give a shit. Like, I think people are going to hate if you're successful no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, one time when I was younger, I had this aunt say, who's going to put your ugly ass on TV? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, who, you know. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I was kind of just like, haters are going to hate. And I don't let it get to me because I've been wanting to be in the limelight for so long. Like I want, I was in TV since I was 16 volunteering at local TV stations. I always knew that it would come eventually. And people send me awful things all the time, like death threats and racist things, you know, Mm. want to throw acid on your face, things like that. But I don't give a shit. And I'm staying unbothered and I'm also not tolerating it. It's not okay to send somebody that. And I do put out things saying like, you know, don't do this, don't say that. And sometimes I talk back in the comments, which is my favorite thing to do because people can't believe it. It's this weird thing where like, the more people that like you, the more people that hate you. So like, what do you do? Yeah, you're so successful. And there's all these people saying how much they love you. And then there's a small group of people saying that they want you to die. And But then everyone's buying the merch. So I don't know what to do. Now, speaking of mental health, uh, the pandemic has obviously been devastating for businesses, including the drag industry. How have you navigated? How are you doing? Yeah. How is everything going? It's fine. Ups and downs. This has given everyone more time to think. 
which I think is a good thing and a scary thing. A lot of us have had days where we're just sitting in our bedrooms wondering if we're good enough. And then the next day we're going to start a business. So I think it's giving us time to navigate what exactly we want to do with our time and our effort, which mm. I think is very, very important. Even for me, like I've totally shifted into what my priorities are in terms of like my drag. Like now I'm putting it into more bigger projects than focusing on just performing on a bunch of little tour dates. Right. So I create the bigger projects, then go on a bigger tour so that more fans can see you. So for me personally, it's been tough, but I've been able to find a way to turn it into inspiration to want more for myself, mm-hmm. which is what we all should do. Are there parts of COVID era drag uh, that you think will still exist once things return back to normal, like these digital drag shows that give you, you know, give people access to drag queens that they might not have before on a, on a, in a different way? I think so, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think that people's online brands are going to be more respected. And I think that the expectation of what drag queens put out online with also being a live performer will also be very important as well. Mm, yeah. So yeah, you have to be good at everything now. Yeah. So it's, it's almost made, made it harder for drag queens that just perform live because they're going to want to follow that same queen they see at the bar and also want them to turn out really great online content because that's what we're used to seeing, really great online content. That, that bar has been set. The jobs have gotten harder. <laughs> so drag is a, a form of art, but also a vehicle of commerce. And we were talking about what business opportunities you take on. Um, where does a line get drawn between the two where art becomes compromised because of business or vice versa? Or is there even a line of differentiation? There is a line. I think a lot of like companies will approach drag and say like, we want you to do this and we want to see you this specific way and we want to do this and this and this. And sometimes it works. Like, for example, like me doing this interview mm-hmm. makes sense for my brand because yep. I'm a business person and I have a marketing strategy and it just makes sense. But sometimes if you go to like a queen like Yavska, who's this incredible drag entertainer from Dragula and then also from Toronto, like putting them in a business suit probably is not going to look cute. So so trying to put that image onto them because their business might not work. It's knowing when to say no and knowing what to kind of like, I wouldn't say give into, but compromise as as well. Because there's a lot of people who just like have an old school state of mind and like they just want to see a drag queen in a pretty dress. They don't want to see a drag queen with like blood running from their mouth because they don't get it. Right, right. This new way of that drag Exactly. But like if you are a drag entertainer that wants to have blood on everything and that's your brand then make it your brand someone will buy into it and you know drag culture has become so mainstream and moved really from subculture to pop culture with that you know brands can really try to capitalize on this momentum that drag culture is really experiencing i read this really interesting interview that sash Fuller did um, and she was talking about the importance of equity and exploitation in this kind of context how do you get in the driver's seat to ensure that your drag is providing equity back to yourself and the community and is not something that's being exploited by companies and brands? You know when like you win a big contest, like Canada's drag, right? Exactly. And she's like, oh my God, I'm just like, thank you so much. Like I've given, I'll give anything for this experience and I'll give you whatever you want for it and, and blah, 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 blah. When you get a job and they're offering you a check, And like, okay, we want you to do like this, this, and this, and this, and this. It's up to you to like understand why they want you. Like, oh, you're hiring me in the month of June because it's Pride. Why don't you hire me in the fall? 
or like like things like that, like asking those questions and calling them out as the person that they want. Yes, it might scare them away, but if it scares them away, that you're calling them out. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's equality is, is is all about equality in the month of June because it's Pride. But you know, that's what when SodaStream hired me in like October and BMO in November, I was like, oh, it's not Pride Month. This is fun. Well, you don't want to be used as a prop. No, because yeah. we off, we often are, right? It's like, yeah. oh, let's, let's just get a drag queen. It's the same thing, you know, with other cultural moments throughout the year. You have Black History Month. You've yeah. got a lot of stuff that happens around then, but does it happen throughout the rest of the year? You're no. still talking and having those conversations. Also, Chinese New Year, you have, you know, in February, all of a sudden, every brand wants to paint their products red and gold and put a dragon on it. I think it's the same with Pride in that, you have to give respect to communities oh, at the end yeah. of the day. And give respect to communities year round. I yeah. think that's kind of what we're now turning into slowly mm. but surely. And that's when you can kind of start to speak speak up. Because getting a job isn't winning a contest. And even like winning Canada's Drag Race, like that is a really big deal. And I'm forever grateful. But like I would, I didn't do anything or exploit myself in any way to win that title. What do you want to see for the future of Dragon and how do you want to see it uh, evolve as an art form and as an industry and, and, and business? I just want to see us just keep succeeding and keep being mainstream throughout the year and keep having seasons and seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race and Canada's Drag Race and, and Drag Race Holland and Drag Race UK and have drag queens, you know, be guest judges on shows that aren't about drag and yeah. have a drag queen host E-Talk. Things like that, like make it normal that we're in this world and we're here and, and people don't have to watch Drag Race to be inspired by us. They can watch their local news. So at the end of the day, how do you define success for yourself? <gasps> oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, well, I'll find a husband, live on a farm, escape the world, have a dog. Some alpacas. <laughs> An alpaca or two. Uh, success for yourself is just owning who you are. Being comfortable in that and also just working so hard that no isn't an answer. Like I always say, like work so hard that your dreams come true. Mm. And I literally am a product of that. I don't stop. So our podcast is called Mission Critical and it really focuses on people's mission and their purpose. So what would you say is your mission at the end of the day? My mission at the end of the day is just to make people happy. I know it sounds like such a pageant answer, but like that's what I am for people. Like I just want to be the escape and the fun time and the good time. And just like when you come to a Priyanka show, just like you don't even care about checking your phone because you're just partying. I think that's that's my mission. A very noble mission to, you know, bring joy to people's lives. It doesn't have to be a complicated thing. It can just be to make people happy. Yeah, exactly. Because it's fun to see people smile, you know? Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for watching. Really appreciate it. Hope you learned a thing or two about me. Drag queens may be seen as the height of entertainment right now, but they're also the savviest entrepreneurs in the game. This isn't anything new. Drag queens have always been resilient, resourceful, and quick to adapt. Society is just catching up and finally appreciating them for the artists and marketing geniuses that they are. Whether you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, corporate giant, or self-employed, we can all learn a thing or two about building a game-changing business from drag queens. Even before Drag Race Canada, Priyanka was busy laying down the foundation of her inevitable business empire. And it's because of the time and years she's put in that when people see her now, they know her name. 
On the next episode of Mission Critical, we speak with social media entrepreneur Dante Kali about cultivating and protecting your joy. There's people who, in our own lives, in our own relationships, that come and go. And I think that's what happens on the internet, too. People are here temporarily and people leave. Make sure to tune in. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?